welcome to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Today, Apostle continues in the faith series that he has been running during our midweek services, and he preaches a sermon titled, The Shield of Faith. In this episode, Apostle teaches about Satan and his schemes and delivers a message which will set you up for victory. So grab your Bibles, your pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. all of you who are watching us and from wherever you are tuning in from I want to welcome you to the best service of your life praise God I would want to welcome you to the best service of your life and tonight I'm, I'm, I'm taking the faith teaching to an even extra dimension we're going to a higher dimension than we've been so far because in essence, what we've been doing the past few weeks during the midweek service is we've been discovering faith. But now we are going to the applicational side of faith. 
We are going now to the applicational side. And uh, you're going to understand why the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. And so this evening, we are going to start looking at the shield of faith. We're going to look at the shield of faith. I want us to start over in Ephesians chapter number 6. And we're going to read over there from verse 10. And we are going to go all the way up to verse 16. So Ephesians chapter number 6 from verse 10 up to verse 16. Let's begin. So now the Bible says, The Bible tells us, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We are told to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Somebody type, be strong in the Lord. And we are told, put on the whole armor of God. that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And then we are shown why. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's who we wrestle against. Sometimes we focus so much on the human beings. Remember when I taught you that, when I taught you about how when Jesus came, he said, but now is their hour and the power of darkness, meaning they were not alone. It was spiritual. And it says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. I'll tell you something. It, it, it's, it's very unfortunate if you do not know how to engage and how to defeat demonic powers because the fact of the matter is the scripture doesn't say we did not wrestle it says we do not wrestle that shows you that uh, and you'll see that as we go on one time or another you are going to be in a spiritual battle because life is spiritual praise god expecting to live a life without uh spiritual battles is like expecting to go to school and not having exams not having tests, not having assignments. The fact of the matter is that your faith is there for something. And let's continue. So we are being told, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Let's go on. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with the truth. And this is a topic I've talked about before. I've told you how you must have the belt of truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let's go on. And having showed your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all. It says above all. Now, when the scripture says above all, it literally means above all. There is an emphasis There is a special emphasis on this. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Oh, now there's a lot we can talk about from there. 
and that's the scripture that we're going to rest on. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You know, uh, when you read Ephesians chapter 6, one of the things that you get to notice is that uh, spiritual warfare is your responsibility. There is something that you're going to have to do. You know, I have a few challenges with the uh, Jesus take the wheel kind of messages. I've got a problem with that. I'll tell you, so I, I really have a big problem with them. Let me tell you my biggest problem with them. They, they, they remove the element of responsibility. The moment you remove responsibility, then you remove the element of accountability. Now, there's going to be trouble then on Judgment Day because on Judgment Day, each person will be judged according to their works. There is something they're going to have to be accountable for. And the scriptures show us the things God does for us and the things he has empowered us and expects us to do. Let me, let me say that again. There are certain things God does for you. And then there are certain things he empowers you and expects you to do. And so even in spiritual warfare, there are certain things that happen which we have no idea about. But then there are certain things which are your mandate to do it. It's your mandate. Someone would say, well, the battle is not yours, but it's for the Lord. That was application to a certain instance. And that was the warfare strategy for that moment. There are times the warfare strategy is be still. Sometimes the warfare strategy is attack. Notice, they inquired of the Lord, and God said, for this one, this is what you do. That's not what David did with Goliath. David didn't go in front of Goliath and just stand and say, well, the battle is not mine, it's for the Lord. No, the Lord empowered him to get those stones and hit that giant. So you're going to have to learn that. You're going to have to learn how to take responsibility. And notice Jesus told us that I give you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to defeat all the powers of the enemy. Meaning he's given it to you. You've got the mandate to do it. And so we're going to be looking at the shield of faith. But I thought it best that for you to understand the shield of faith, we might want to understand a little bit about the wicked one. We might want to understand what the Bible says about the wicked one. The Bible says, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. There is someone who's called the wicked one. The Bible does show us an adversary. The Bible shows us an enemy. And we're being told to put on the full armor of God that we may stand against the wiles of the devil. So we know that this wicked one has a name. We know that this wicked one is called the devil. We know that this wicked one is called Satan. The scriptures clearly show us about him. And interestingly, one of the people who talked about him the most was Jesus. And that's why I'm going to show you a few things. I'm telling you, you, it's unbiblical for you to be that Christian who just sits down and says, you know, whatever happens in life is God's will. No, 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 no. You have to have the discernment. Listen, haven't you read in the scriptures, Apostle Paul, says, I wanted to go to that place, but the Spirit of God forbade us. Haven't you read in the same scriptures, the Apostle Paul saying, we wanted to come to you, but Satan hindered us. Haven't you heard them telling, haven't you heard Paul telling, saying, pray for us, for there is a door that has opened, but I have many adversaries. That shows you 
that not everything that happens on earth is God's will. If everything that happened on earth was God's will, Jesus wouldn't have told us to pray, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There would have been no point. If everything that happened on earth was God's will, then, th- then there would be no reason for us to address situations. There is a devil, and that devil has to be dealt with. And we have the mandate to deal with that devil. So let's look at what the scriptures say about this devil. Okay. Number one, I want us to understand that the first appearance of him that we see is in Genesis 3. But you understand when you study the scriptures that he pre-existed some of the verses in the book of Genesis. You understand that he pre-existed them. He pre-existed some of the, the verses in the book of Genesis. In short, by the time Genesis 3 was there, Satan was already there. He was already there. And you can see by the language God used when speaking to Adam. Let me show you. Let's start from Genesis chapter number 1. And I want us to read verse uh, 28. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful. I would like the King James Version, please. The Bible says, God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Now, for you to replenish something, it means it was plenished. To replenish means to fill up again. It says, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the air, of of the sea and over the fowl of the air and every living thing that moveth upon the earth. I want you to notice something. For the fish and for the sea and the fowl of the air, we are told have dominion. But before we are told have dominion, what are we told? Subdue. Why subdue? You only subdue if there's an enemy. You only subdue if there is something coming against you. That's when you subdue. So when when you study later in scriptures, you'll notice that Satan pre-existed even the forming of Adam and all those. He was already there. Praise God. And I want us to see, the first mention of him is in Genesis 3. And we can qualify this when we read the book of Revelations. The Bible says... Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, if you have not studied the scriptures well, all you'll be seeing there is a serpent. But when you study the scriptures well, you'll come to an understanding that there was something else which was controlling those operations. How can we tell? When you read Revelations chapter number 12, and you read verse 7, and you know, when, when you're studying the book of Revelations, you're going to have to be careful because Revelation is an interesting book. It, it, it shifts across different timelines. It shifts across different timelines because Revelations happens in a realm of eternity not in a realm of time. So it shifts across different timelines. In the book of Revelations, you can find the past. In the book of Revelations, you can find the present. You can find the future. Now notice, in Revelations 12, we're shown something. It says, war broke out in heaven. 
Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. Let's go on. But they did not prevail, nor was any place found for them in heaven any longer. Verse 9. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old. That what? Serpent of old. What's that referring to now? Genesis. And the serpent came. The great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old. Called the devil and Satan. Who deceives the world. He was cast to the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. Do you see that? So that serpent of old. So we first see him being mentioned in Genesis 3. And in Genesis 3, he's performing his usual operations. Which is what? To challenge what God is trying to do. And we can see some more mention of him when we read Isaiah chapter number 14. Isaiah 14, let's look at verse 12 to verse 16. The Bible says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, and how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther sides of the north. Let's continue. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. And I love verse 16. Those who will gaze at you and, cons- and consider you saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms? The day he is revealed, people will be shocked. Saying, Is this the one? Now, I've showed you these scriptures to show you that scripturally, there is what is called the wicked one. And this wicked one has got a way he operates. And if believers don't have a basic understanding of how if this wicked one, if believers do not have a basic understanding of how he operates, they will struggle. Because they will not be able to overcome him. I want us to see that. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11. We see something that the Apostle Paul says. The Apostle Paul says, least Satan should take advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. Least Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, I, I don't want us to lose where we are coming from. I don't want us to lose where we are coming from. In Ephesians 6.16, which is our main verse, we talked about how we have been shown that for spiritual warfare, above all, we must take the shield of faith. And with it, we quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. And I've been trying to show you that there is this one who's called a wicked one. We see him revealed in Genesis 3. We see his manifestation in Revelations 12. We see how he is that very serpent of old. We see how this one was cast out from heaven and he was cast out with angels with him. We see how from Isaiah, he, he was called Lucifer. He was a son of the morning. And this same Lucifer, his defeat has already been mentioned. 
But now the Apostle Paul tells us that we should not be unaware, we should not be ignorant of his devices. We shouldn't be ignorant of his operations. And that's why today I decided to take this route. Because in us doing this warfare, I would want us to know what we are fighting. And then we go on to how we are fighting. But I would want us to know what we are fighting. It's important. Somebody type, I am not ignorant. Somebody type it again, I'm not ignorant of his devices. So I want to tell you a little bit about how Satan works. I want you to have an idea about how this person works. This being that fires these fiery darts from, and we must take up the shield of faith. I want us to have an idea of how he thinks and how he operates. Praise God. Praise God. I'll start by reading from the book of Revelations, what we already read from. After we are told about the great dragon coming down, I want us to see what it says in verse 12 of Revelations chapter 12. This is what we're told. It says, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Now listen to this. It says, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. So you will notice that primarily he wants his operations to take place on this planet called Earth. And we also see that even as he has come down, he has great wrath. And there's something that he has against the inhabitants of this planet called Earth. And he has great wrath in him. And he's got a specific time in which he can operate. And he knows that that time is short. So he wants to do as much wickedness as he can. You must understand that you're dealing with an enemy that doesn't care. I, I, even if you begged him, you can't, you can't stop Satan from being Satan. Even those that work for him, he deals with them. You can't stop him from being Satan. You're dealing with an enemy who doesn't care about how maybe you've had a bad life and your, your life has been so hard. And no, no, no. At the moment when a person seems to be weakest, that's when they want, you want to attack them even more. By the way, understanding that will make you appreciate having spiritual people around you. That's the kind of, that's the kind of person that you're dealing with. That's the kind of personality he has. He's got great wrath. What else do we know about him? Matthew 12, verse 25. This is what Jesus tells us. 25 and verse 26. Matthew 12, please. Matthew 12, verse 25. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Now look at this. But if, say, if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? Jesus, who is the fullness of God on earth, mentioned something about how Satan operates. He mentioned that this Satan has actually got a kingdom. So Satan has 
a kingdom. So he's got great wrath and he has a kingdom. And if he's got a kingdom, then that means there's some form of hierarchy. There, there are different personalities in this kingdom. And in Ephesians, some of those personalities are mentioned, not so. The principalities, the rulers of darkness. And we've seen from the scriptures that they are what are called evil spirits. We've seen devils. We've seen um, all these things that are mentioned. And that's how this being functions. In his functioning, I want you to understand this. We are shown some of his works. Remember earlier we are shown that uh, that great dragon who deceives the world. I want us to see it. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a lot of scriptures today. I want us to see it from 1 Peter 5, 8. The Bible says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So what does Satan plan to do? His operations are that he wants to devour. His operations are that he wants to deceive. His operations are that he wants to destroy. His operations are that he wants to steal. His operations are that he wants you to turn away from the faith. Those are his operations. He wants to devour. He wants to, uh, he wants to destroy. He wants to deceive. Who does he operate against? You'll notice Satan operates against nations. You'll notice he'll fight nations. You'll notice above that he fights Territories, he can fight the whole world. Remember, his first interest is the earth. You'll find that his operations fight against nations. You'll find that he's got operations to fight against families. You'll find that he's got operations to fight against individuals. That's how his operations are. That's how he thinks. That's how he works. Haven't you ever seen in the scriptures where we are told that for every little child that's there, they've got an angel? Have you noticed also when you read Revelation chapter 12, where I told about that great woman, and that woman gave birth to a son, and when the woman gave birth to a son, the dragon was waiting for her to give birth that she may devour him. That shows you if you're spiritual, you, you come to know that just as angels are released for children when they are born, there are devils that are released. There are devils which have been assigned to attack a child. There are devils which have been assigned to attack a person and the operations on his life. Haven't you noticed how come all of a sudden when Moses is born, Pharaoh, around that period, wants to be killing all the babies? How come when Jesus is born, Herod wants to be killing all the children? Understanding of these things, I'm, I'm glad you're listening to this. This will save many lives. Because there are certain things that have gone on in families that we've permitted for far too long. It's about time we take up our authority and deal with these things. Praise God. So that's how this being functions. How does he do this? You find he will do this by deceiving. By deceiving, what does that mean? This is where he causes you to think differently from how God wants you to think. He causes you to believe and think differently. He makes you question your belief in God. He makes you question your belief in yourself. He makes you question what God has said about you. His first operation when you read Genesis 3 was an act of deception. He comes to the woman and says, did God really say? Did God really say? And that's why you find somebody may be listening to me. 
and their doctrine is just messed up because of thoughts that are in their head. Suddenly, things that they knew were not permissible for a believer. Those are the very things they're doing, and they're finding excuses for themselves. If that's your case, my friend, that's deception from Satan. That's deception. And you know, his deception can come as strong arguments. Sometimes when you hear strong arguments, you can tell, oh my goodness, this person is under deception. Somebody's walking about. You hear people saying, is church the only place where you can pray? No. Each person on his own God. Every person should be able to, I, I, and you know, they will tell you, every person must have, um, like, they bring out a thought pattern that it's not about whether you're part of a church or not. As long as in your home you can have a relationship with God, isn't that fight in Hebrews 10.25? And that's deception. That's already deception. Once a person begins to have thoughts like, um, you know, uh, it doesn't matter what you continue to do. God uh, doesn't care because of what Jesus did and all those things. That's already deception because that's not what the scripture says. The scripture tells us those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So you find deception starts with an argument against what the truth of, of God's word is. Because he knows the moment he messes up the truth, where will the shield rest? The moment he messes up the belt of truth, where will the sword rest? Haven't you noticed? God is speaking to Jesus. Remember, Jesus gets baptized, right? The moment Jesus gets baptized, what do we see from the scriptures? The Bible says a voice spoke from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. A few moments later, we notice Jesus goes to the wilderness and the very first thing Satan comes to do is make him question that very word God has spoken. He comes and says, if you are the son of God, suddenly, Jesus has to seek validation for what he already is. But Jesus lifted up the shield of faith. And we'll get to the shield of faith soon. He lifted it up and said, it is written, it is written, it is written. That voice that keeps coming and saying, if you are truly God's child, why is this and this come? Why are you still going through ABCD? What has going through that ABCD got to do with being God's child? And you know, he can be so funny. He can be so funny with his thoughts. He can be very funny. If God really loves you, why did that guy break up with you? Are you kidding me? You're going to, you're going to equate God expressing his love for you through Jesus dying on the cross to some gentleman telling you things won't work. There's a problem there. There are just certain things you should never allow yourself to question. Praise God. I hope you're hearing me. So now, continuing with Satan's devices. You must understand, like I mentioned earlier, that he wants to deceive the world. And the reason why he wants to deceive is because if he can get people to not believe what they're supposed to believe concerning God and concerning what God has said about them, then immediately that eliminates something important. That eliminates the shield of faith. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And later on when I tell you more about the shield, you're going to understand why it's important for a person to continuously believe the right thing. Now, apart from deceiving, in Satan's operations, 
one of the things that he wants to do is to devour. And this includes, I, I mentioned devouring or to destroy. And this includes operations that he does on people's bodies. You can see from the scriptures that Satan has got operations in people's bodies. In Acts chapter number 10 and verse 38, the Bible says that how God anointed Jesus of Lazarus with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Do you see that? Where was the oppression coming from? Who was causing that oppression? So you find here is a person and everybody thinks they are just as normal as everybody else. And yet there is an oppression on their body. And you know, sometimes we may give it uh, natural reasons. And you know, in, in, in the same way in the book of Genesis, the serpent may have seemed like it was just nature. And yet there was something about that serpent. There was something different. And in Revelation, it's revealed that that was an operation of Satan. You see that in the book of Luke. Um, if you head over and read it, you will notice that Jesus ministered to a crippled woman over there in Luke chapter 13. And he ministered to her on the Sabbath. And you observe the language. You know, Luke was a doctor. So he was one of those who could describe medical conditions. And yet, when you read the scripture, the Bible says that this woman, that's in Luke 13 verse 11. The Bible tells us that she was crippled by a spirit for 18 years. And so when Jesus straightened her out, uh, it's interesting that when the people began to oppose him because he did it on the Sabbath, Jesus replied saying in verse 16, Should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? Now that's very interesting. It means that every person was seeing a woman with a condition, and probably that condition had a name, probably it was some form of scoliosis or something like that. But then Jesus had the discernment to be able to tell that this was an operation of Satan, and what he had to deal with was the spirit. And so Satan, in his agenda against human beings, also brings afflictions in form of sicknesses. You find he brings attacks on people's bodies. That's how he works. That's how he operates. So he plans to deceive. He plans to attack somebody's body. Beyond that, he wants to attack somebody's destiny. He wants to attack a person's destiny. You find that we've come to observe that let's say a person has got an assignment to teach on holiness. Before you know it, they're having challenges with how they should live their life. And what is that doing? It's weakening the message. That's an attack from Satan. You can literally tell that this is Satan attacking. And in attacking a person's destiny, he doesn't mind cutting it off completely. He doesn't mind a person getting to die before their time. He doesn't mind bringing all his operations against a person. That's how he works. And in these operations, there are times when a person gets demonized. That is to say, a demon gets to take charge of a person's body. And they, they may be several of them, but there will be one 
major one, which the Bible calls a strong man. And that's why Jesus said, if you do not bind us, you have to bind a strong man first if you're going to enter a house. And another thing I want us to know about the way Satan works is this. Satan always tries to look for another time to attack. He always tries to look for another time to attack. I want you to notice this. In the scriptures, have you observed that Satan launched out an attack on Jesus after Jesus had a very proud moment with the Father? And you know, it's interesting, I, I mentioned it earlier, how Satan decides to attack Jesus after he has heard from the Father. And so Satan launched out an attack on him. And remember, he came to him and, is it, and, and he began to speak to him saying, uh, if you are truly the son of God, turn this into this. If you are truly the son of God and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But there is something interesting that we see in that scripture, which I think sometimes we've not really uh, paid attention to. In Luke 4 verse 13, the Bible says, now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. That means he was still watching. He was still watching. And he still was looking for an opportune time. And what made Jesus victorious in spiritual warfare is his ability to discern an operation of Satan. So there is Satan. He's waiting for an opportune time. He's waiting for an opportune time, waiting for an opportune time. And then you look in Matthew chapter 16, the Bible tells us that from that time, that's in verse 21, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised on the third day. Now look at this. The Bible says, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, it shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Do you see that? He was able to recognize that uh -uh, this wasn't normal. This is an operation of Satan. He was able to recognize that. Now, why have I shown you all these things? Because I can assure you that there are people who, from birth, Satan marked them. Some he's afflicted with disease. Some you find he's fought them in their mind. Some he has fought them in their family. Some he has fought any manner of progress in their lives. And some of them, now that you listen to me, many of you have gotten saved now. Now, by virtue of the fact that you are saved, you are no longer in the realm where Satan can have dominion over you. However, the Bible is very clear that you have to put on the full armor if you're going to withstand the, the vows of the evil one. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. Satan is a thief. A thief ideally does not obey the law. So you may be under a different setup now. You may no longer be the old man. You may be a new creation now. But Satan who is a thief and does not obey the law will still try to attack you the way he was attacking you before you were saved. He'll still try to. And the Bible clearly shows us that we've got a mandate to put him in his place. Praise God. And I'm trying to show you that that is why we are being told that above all, we must take up the shield of faith. And uh, you see, 
Jesus came here on earth to deal with the operations of the devil. I love in 1 John 3 verse 8 when it says, For this reason the Son of God was made manifest, that he may destroy the works of the devil. Because Jesus came to deal with those very operations of the devil. And I declare in the name of Jesus that his plans over your life are destroyed. Praise God. Now, I've built up all this because I really want us to understand Ephesians very well. Earlier we read Ephesians 6.16 and it's our main verse. And it says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you'll be able to quench all the fairy darts of the wicked one. And earlier I described who the wicked one is. And I began to show you some of his fairy darts. The deception, the, uh, the, the, the supernatural attacks on a person's body. The supernatural attacks on a person's mind. Or on a person's businesses or all those things. You'll notice what happened with Job. Supernaturally, he managed to attack his body, his family, his businesses, his productivity. That's how that chap is. That's how he works. Uh, it can be an attack on a ministry. It can be an attack on a destiny. That's how he operates. And sometimes these attacks will come through thoughts. Sometimes these attacks will come through just general, something supernatural fighting a person. Sometimes it can come through a sickness and all those things. And believers have to be equipped to be able to quench the fiery darts of the evil one. And I've shown you from the scriptures that he doesn't just attack once. He waits for an opportune time and tries to attack again. That's why believers must be ready always. And if a believer is always ready, then what is supposed to be a day of evil becomes a day of victory. Praise God. And for those who think that he's not going to attack, let me show you what the scripture tells us. There are people who think maybe because they're Christian now that Satan will not try to attack. Look at what the Bible says. The Bible says in Isaiah 54 verse 14 that in righteousness you shall be established and you shall be far from oppression. You shall not fear and from terror for it shall not come near you. But it goes on to say, indeed they shall gather against you, but not because of me. But whoever gathers against you shall fall for your sake. So here, here you are, you are establishing righteousness, but they shall gather against you. It's scripture. Then it goes on to tell us that, behold, I've created the blacksmith who blows the coals in fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work, and I've created the spoiler to destroy. And in verse 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I can assure you, there's someone listening to me right now. There's been a weapon formed against your womb. Those operations are destroyed right now. It says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me. Now notice it says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That shows you weapons will be formed. Operations will be set, but they shall not prosper. What makes them not to prosper? We are shown in Ephesians. You have to take up the full armor of God. And for weapons which are formed against you not to prosper, you above all, you have to take up the shield of faith. And there is another weapon which is informed of words that are spoken. And if you study all those things, witchcraft, all those things, you'll notice that there have to be words spoken. There have to be incantations. And for those, the only way to destroy them is by you speaking yourself. That's the only way. Because tongues that rise in judgment against you, you shall refute. You'll see as we go further in talking about the shield of faith. So, there will be weapons fashioned 
there will be weapons fashioned against your mind, fashioned against your safety, fashioned against everything that's there about you. Because that's the way Satan is and would be lying if we told you that's not the way he works. But listen, they don't have to prosper. They are mandated not to prosper. Why? Because scripturally, there's something that we can do about them. There's a shield that we can lift in the air. I'm going to talk about the shield of faith uh, when, and, and give more details about it and how you can apply it later. But I want, you to, I want you to have this in mind. You see, when Paul had written this passage in Ephesians, he didn't have an image of this small shield like maybe the one you've seen with Captain America in the movies. No, that's not the image he had. Back in those days, the Roman shields, depending on the type, were made to protect the full part of the body. So they were not a small shield. They protected the full part of the body, including the major parts, which were the hearts and all those things. And so if a soldier had a shield, the shield was designed to fit his body. And that's interesting. So the people's shields were not the same size. The size was dependent on the body. My friend, the bigger the destiny, you're going to need a bigger shield. The bigger the ministry, you're going to need a bigger shield. The bigger the uh, calling on your life, you're going to need a bigger shield. And by bigger, I mean an increase in operations. Because uh, if a person increases in the spiritual realms, even the angels that, 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 that are going to be with them will be more. So anyways, a soldier could protect most parts of his body with a shield. And what would happen is the enemies would usually throw darts or arrows that had fire on them. And so the shield was made in such a way that it had, uh, this shield was made in such a way that it, there was some part of an animal on it. And before going into battle, that shield would be put in water. It would be dipped in some water. So that when the enemy throws a fiery dart, that fiery dart will hit the shield. And because of the water and uh, the animal substance on it, the fiery dart on the arrow would quench. That's how the shield was designed. So when Paul is saying, above all, take up the shield of faith, that's what he was thinking of. And not only would it quench the very darts, that shield could then now be used as a barricade as you are attacking the evil one. Now the question one would ask is, what really is this shield of faith? Is faith that important? Think about this. Jesus kills uh, Peter something. Jesus said something very interesting that really gets me thinking. In Luke 22 verse 31, the Bible says that the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. That I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. That shows you something. You see why Satan is always fighting your faith. You see why Satan wants to get you to not believe what God has said about you. You see why Satan is trying to get you to doubt that God loves you. Why he's trying to get you to doubt that you're anointed. Why he's trying to get you to doubt that you are prophetic. Because he knows that once that faith goes, what happens? You are exposed. You are exposed. And so next week, I'm going to talk to you now about this shield of faith. So I hope you've gotten an understanding of how this person that we are dealing with how he operates how he thinks and listen you you would be very unbiblical if as a christian all you do is sing holy holy and you've not learned how to deal with satan you'd be very unbiblical if you've not learned how to address matters if you've not learned how to raise up that shield of faith for your sake for your family and for all those 
And so for the day, I want you just to speak after me. I want you to say in the name of Jesus, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I want you to, I want you to be self-controlled, alert. The Bible says your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a like a roaring lion. I want you to say in the name of Jesus, I am alert. Say in the name of Jesus, I have discernment. I can tell when this uh, being is operating, and I'm always ahead of him because of the Spirit of God. Praise God. Praise God. I want you to say thank you, oh God, for you have trained my hands for battle. Now I speak a blessing over you. I decree and declare in Jesus' name that that shield is growing. I decree and declare in Jesus' name that the operations of the evil one have no effect over your life. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Wow, what a service. I've been so blessed and I know you have been too. Now, wherever you are listening from, we would like to hear from you. Get in touch with us. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0953-756076 or 0977-474679. If you are unable to call us, you can email us on the city of the Lord Zambia at gmail.com or reach us on the Facebook page at the city of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.